Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 178. My guest today is someone who I've had on the show in the past. Uh, they are back by popular demand. And I literally mean popular demand. I had someone reach out to me and say, hey, I don't know, remember that guy's name, but man, was he sure smart. Could you have that guy on again? And I knew exactly who they were talking about. They were talking about my guest, Uwe Eichert, who is the CEO, founder of Academy Games, and who is a friend of mine and has had some success on Kickstarter. And I wanted to invite Uva back to the show. Uva, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you very much. And just in, in as a reply to that, I did send my wife away so she didn't hear all these comments and sit here and <laughs> argue with you. So I appreciate that. Well, they did. They said, you know, you had that guest on who was so smart about games and he had those military games and man, his content was so good. And uh, I said, oh, that was Uva. Yeah, that was him. So uh, you have, let's give our listeners who maybe haven't heard that because you have been on the show before who haven't heard the uh, previous episode. Tell us just a little bit about your company and kind of what it is your, your company does. My game company you're talking about, right? Or, That's your, but, uh, no, no, your game company. That's the one we okay. want to talk about. Good. Um, my game company is Academy Games. And Academy Games, we, we, we focus on historical board games where people have a lot of fun playing a historical setting but also learn about that era. We started out with very military tactical games, which concentrated on, on tactical battles that – were anywhere from World War II to the French-Polish War of 1920, some really obscure things nobody knew about, but that were very interesting and important historically. And then the last two years, we also started concentrating on uh, family games, historical family games, and we started out with our Birth of America series, which included our 1812 invasion of Canada and 1775 rebellion. And now we just came out with um, in December with Freedom, the Underground Railroad, which is just getting worldwide acclaim for us. It was a very scary yeah. game for us to pursue, you know, because the topic is just, it's a very touchy and, and also very fresh and, and current topic, slavery and, and the abolitionist movement. You know, and that's, and that's interesting because you're right. That project, you, and that one you put on Kickstarter, Freedom got put on Kickstarter, right? That, that is correct. And um, we worked on it a good two years. And it was it was a really it was a hard decision to go ahead with it because, you know, we are we're talking about the abolitionist movement between 1800 and 1865. We don't mince it. I mean, we in the game, big portion of the game are the active slave markets, uh, the slave population in America, even though it was illegal to import slaves. It quadrupled. I mean, the slave population got four times bigger in 50 years. And it was big business. It was big money. And this game really teaches and shows people what it was like. And we, the slave catchers are a big portion of the game. Now, for the listeners, and this is where we did hit it right, and that's why it's being so well accepted and, and will be carried and in, in, in distributed to most of the school systems in America next year, is that the players only play abolitionists and are only for the cause of helping end slavery and also helping the the escaped black slaves. Yeah, so there's not that. one side playing the bad guys and one side playing the good guys. Exactly. You're trying to overwhelm the game, the political things that are happening against you, 
and trying to help the slave movement fund the abolitionist movement, bring new laws into into being that will help your cause and things like that. Uh, it has. I've read some of the reviews on that game because it it uh, out of the UK where it uh, seems to have done well. It's just it is. It's one of those. You're right because you and I have talked about this game before you published it and how it was a scary topic to uh, to get right because it is such a sensitive subject. It's tough, even you know, because the race issues are still very very prevalent here in America. And what I found is, you know, that I'm a South American German white man who has grown up in a, in a family environment that has a totally different history to it, a total different feel and vibe of where we came from, what we did. And I've spoken with many African Americans, and they grew up in a total different atmosphere. And when... When people come together who come from very divergent um, families and histories, you wouldn't believe how just opening up the con- conversation and the information and, and the, the going back and forth, how it really lets you know where a person comes from and where their where their thoughts and, and how they think about things. And it really brings dialogue and friendships uh developed that way and and that was one of the interesting things both of a lot of my my african-american friends that we talked about and also whites where they're like wow we really had no idea that this happened and a lot of things that happened back then actually are are influencing yep the the ramifications right we're still we're still feeling the ramifications of some of the decisions that were made back then and we have to watch it that we don't backslide because I hate to say it, Richard, but there's still a lot of prejudice here in America and the entire world. And, and slavery in general now is more rampant now than it was 150 years ago. There are more slaves in the world nowadays than there were 150 years ago. And that's a scary thought. It is. It is. And before we get too deep on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why, you know. Doing something like that and saying, "Hey, we're going to make a game about this." That's right. Hey, let's go have some fun. Let's. And you mentioned because you you categorize this under family games, and I got to believe. And this this topic, we're going to talk about Kickstarter here and about some of the success that you've had with this game, bringing it out on Kickstarter, finding the backing, and then labeling it basically as a family game has has really been. You took a lot of time and effort around uh, approaching this project, and I guess that's a, a lesson that could be learned for anybody who's bringing something to Kickstarter or anybody who's bringing anything to market at all is the type of research to find and the effort and time to put in to make sure you get it right. You're right. Even when we did the Kickstarter and we did the main body story of the, of the Kickstarter um, story base, we took every feedback that we received, we redid the ver verbiage, the vernacular, uh, what we are trying to stress. In the, the cover of the game, we had it repainted three times. Stephen Pashal did full-blown oil canvas paintings, and we threw the first two away, and there were probably half a dozen that were half, half a dozen paintings that were half done, not completely finished, that we threw out because we needed to show the desperation of the time, but we also had to show the empowerment and the self 
worth and, and the pride of the whole slave movement and, and the black movement at the time. Um, and, and when, you, when you say movement. slave movement, you mean the abolitionists and the whole uh, – No, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the slaves themselves. And, okay. and that's you – know, it's a tough thing because there are really two, two sides to look at games in this case, this game. You can look at the abolitionist movement, which were sl- uh, freed and former black slaves and the white European Americans and the evangelical movement. That was one side. And then there's also the slaves themselves and, and the slaves – Taking this big jump and saying, "Hey, I, I don't know what the world's. I don't know what's within five miles of where I've lived all my life, and some white guys telling me what to do every day. I'm going to leave all this. I'm going to risk everything I have, including my my life, my family, everything I know, on this idea of freedom. And and that is something that we couldn't really portray in this game because that that's again a totally different subject, right?" But what the abolitionists did was they took the self-movement that, that the black slaves were doing on their own and helping them achieve the freedom and achieve their goal. So uh, that's one thing we really had to bring across. And, and I tell you what, it's a, it's a very passionate subject with, with the African-Americans here in America that they, they, they've been portrayed all along of, oh, yeah, here are these stupid slaves and the white people save free. them. Save them, and that wasn't really the case. It, it was her own self-gumption that that brought this this movement, got it going. But then, without the help of this evangelical and all these organizations and the freed blacks and whites to help it, it, it really it, it made it made the escaping much more the probability a lot higher that it would be successful. But then again, it also then changed the laws in America, and then finally did. Make slavery illegal, but uh, where I'm going with the Kickstarter is, um, we were in a very, very this is a very extreme case that we did, right? But because we had to worry about the pictures, the verbiage, and everything else, and luckily we hit it just the right balance uh, in most cases, ninety nine point nine percent. And the timing has been with uh, Twelve Years a Slave, the uh, um, the the movie. The movie that just came out that is Oscar contender, uh, yeah, it is. You're right. It's very at the forefront of of what we're talking about. I need to get on on a on a entertainment today with them and my game so that people know my games out there. Well, if there's I one mean, person who can do it, you're the guy. <laughs> I gotta I gotta call all these 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 actors of that movie and say, hey, here's a game. Try it out. <laughs> Try it out. So let's talk about that because you have had Freedom was not your first Kickstarter game. Um, what was your first one? It was uh, 1775 Rebellion. 1775. And how? And you and I actually have known each other now for several years. And uh, I have talked to you about this Kickstarter thing. And you made the decision to start 1775. And now you've done Freedom was on Kickstarter. You currently have a game that's right now on Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, it, it opened yesterday. We, and, we started and, the campaign yesterday. And I have it open on my screen as we're talking. Uh, the backers continue to 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 easily come in. You're at 300 backers now in the last 24 hours with $22,000 of backing. What, so our listeners are going to say, Whoa, how did, how did you do this? Are you being successful? Because there's some reasons here. You have some advantages that somebody who's just starting out that maybe has a game idea and they're on their own that they don't have. You have some distinct advantages, but you've applied some principles here to make your Kickstarter campaign successful. Yes. Yes. Um, we're, our problem is, is that we're 
not known for Euro games and we're not known for fantasy zombie games. And I'm, I'm always jealous of, of the Euro fantasy people because they draw from a, a well of players that's literally a hundred times bigger than our well, where we've usually concentrated on your historical, tactical, war game type of market. And then we come out with the Polish-Soviet War, which makes it even worse. But it turned out we won the Origins Game of the Year, Historical Game of the Year with it, and also internationally quite a bit of honors with it. So we came from a, a customer base that's much smaller and harder to, to pull in through Kickstarter. So we've really concentrate on trying to get the word out and, and pull in new customers. And as we're pulling in new people who've never played, let's say, what they consider a war game or historical game because they think, ah, I'm not interested in it. And now all of a sudden they're, they're trying it through the Kickstarter and going, wow, this really is fun. This is something that I was not expecting. And we get over that bias hurdle they have and they start playing games and having fun with it. That is our attempt and our goal, and that's where we've had a lot of success with Kickstarter. Let's talk, let's talk about that bias real quick because one of the things I was surprised at when I uh, was hanging out at your booth at, at, in Essen uh, at Spiel a couple of years ago, I think it was 1775 had just come out, the amount of women that were sitting down and playing this what I perceived as a war game, you've lumped, labeled it under family game, but or might have been the uh, – and I labeled I labeled it as a cooperative game because you cooperate with other people and play together to kill the other guys. But one so, thing, but it was that that, uh, <laughs> that women were being drawn into your games. That traditionally the bias would be that no, this is you know it's a male dominated space. War games and strategy tactical combat games are, are male dominated, which they are. But but I was surprised to see that, and and after talking to you that. There's a lot of uh, women who are interested in the games that you're putting out as well. Well, I think what we're doing is, um, as you know, and I've, I've said before, when our gaming group, we get together every week and we have a bunch of guys. We've got like the Willy Wonka of game factories. I mean, our downstairs, we have a 70-foot by 30-foot game room with pool table, large screen TVs, music. You know, we have a good time. And then upstairs, we have a 100-foot by 60-foot room with two huge 120-foot and 100-foot um, electronic racing tracks with the cars that go 50 miles an hour and just have a great time. Then we changed our convert our conference room to a professional ping-pong room. So we have a lot of guys come from all over and play test with us. But what, we, what people are so surprised about, and like we'll have Army guys come in who are working with on, on developing future Army games or Afghanistan um, training games and stuff like that. They'll come in and think we're going to be playing army games and we play Euro games. And what we're, what we're doing while we're, I think, successful, and this was since day one, what we've tried to do is we're trying to take the successful Euro game mechanics, which really have had some incredible, incredible game design advancements over the years. And we are implementing these into war games and historical games so that people are totally involved in the game. There's interaction every 10 seconds that someone is always doing something. You're never sitting there watching other people do stuff. And we're bringing this into this genre of historical board games. And what we're finding now is that we're pulling in 
many more younger people and many more women into this field because, number one, they're having a lot of fun with it. And number two, it isn't that women were aren't interested in history. I mean, I look at my wife. She's just – she's she reads history books and history novels all the time. It's just she was – she never liked playing those old dry war games like I did from Avalon Hill in the, in the 80s with my Rick Tovin's War and Squad Leader and all that. Sure. Sport. She liked the interactive games. So we're taking this interactive feel and bringing it into this – into this genre. So, yeah, you're right. Um, when we first started out with our, our customer base was 95% male and we track everything. And this is something we want to talk about maybe in, in the future here in the next few minutes, but we track our customer base to the T. And right now we're at around a little over 42% of our customer base is women. So that's, that's a huge demographic shift. From five percent to forty-two percent. That is, and you know what, and and that is something that we need to talk about on the next episode um, because because <laughs> we've spent a lot of time. We're, we've only got about a minute or two left. Uh, oh my goodness, and we didn't even talk about what we wanted to talk about. No, but uh, I know that it's fascinating to what everybody's to uh, what everybody's listening. Let's talk about then. We got about two minutes. Fife, okay. uh, you got Fife on Kickstarter right now. You yeah, got three hundred three hundred backers, uh, twenty-two thousand dollars. Um, you still have 43 days to go. Um, what are some of the things? Give me one or two nuggets that you uh, really, when you approach this campaign, that you really focused on. Well, number one is we cannot have a Kickstarter ruin our store and our wholesaler um, relationships. So as you'll see, if anybody uh, of your listeners want to check out Thief France 1429 on Kickstarter, you see that we really don't undercut. Our MSRP prices. Our MSRP price for this game is seventy dollars, and you're getting it for sixty-five or seventy dollars. Um, so that's number one thing that's very important. Where we making it worth it is we're put, putting in a ton of new um, components, new items, uh, upgraded the rules, the base core game. We're we're putting beautiful boards in. Um, a lot of things that. A normal person when they're buying it through a store later won't be able to get. So that's number one. So we're looking ahead and making sure that our stores are happy. The second, we interact and work with our store chains a lot saying, hey, stores, we want to support you. You can get this Kickstarter if you pre-order with us and get all the stretch goals. The only thing is you cannot undercut the price. We don't want to have a, a Amazon type deal where, where they undercut and still have all the freebies. So if you're going to do it and you're going to get all this cool stuff and you're going to pull in the customers because we want the customers to go to you instead of to us, that's our long-term goal, um, you can't undercut the price. So that's number one is how are we pricing? And when we first started, Kickstarter says you have to give $25 and $30 options, and we never did that. I don't think we ever gave a game under or ever had a, an option under $60 on any of our Kickstarters. So that's number one. Hey, Uva. Yes. We're out of time. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, so we're going to stick with that's number. That's the one thing to take away is, is that you haven't undercut your distributors. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode. Um, we'll have you come back and talk about that because I want to talk to you about your stretch goals. Um, I'm looking at them, uh, particularly on uh, Fife that you've got going on. And then kind of this whole uh, how you've tracked, as you mentioned, how you've tracked your demographics so carefully because a lot of people are going to want to know about that. Are you willing to come back and, and do another episode? 
Very, very much so because that's one of the things that we talked about before this interview is that a lot of people starting with Kickstarter, they, they have a very successful game and their, their, their total concentration is on the game and getting this game out to the, to the customer base. But it's how you get the games out and how you're mining the information and what you're doing at this stage that's going to be critical for your company a year or two down the line. I think that's going to be very important for us. Well, that was the bell. Time is up. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We will have you uh, back on a future episode to kind of cover some of that material. Thanks for being here. Hey, I really thank you, uh, Richard, and I'm very, very sorry for for stressing the wrong things in this interview. That we no, 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 no. It's my job to take that, and I think there's a lot of interest there, uh, particularly on some of the topics that you've been covering. You've been, right. you've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Uva Eichert, who is the founder and owner of Academy Games. You can find that at academy-games.com. That's right, right? Academy. No more dash. No, it's now academygamesaltogether.com. Okay, academygames.com is where you can go find a lot of the good stuff that they've been putting out or look for their project out on Kickstarter right now, Fife, F-I-E-F, uh, Fife, France. France, 1429. So we'll take a look at that. Uva, again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Richard, and you have a great weekend. Everybody, uh, hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I know I have. We look forward to seeing your Kickstarter out there so we can help you support your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.